Today's Old Testament reading is Psalm 16, verses 8 to 11. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasure at your right hand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's New Testament reading is Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of the sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the leaven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them, who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the woman, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the stripes of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Welcome to you, each one who has made the effort to be here with us in person today, as well as those of you <clears throat> excuse me, who are joining us on Zoom. Easter is the most unique thing about our Christian faith. It is the moment where God in the person of Jesus Christ has tasted death for each and every one of us by his death on the cross, and yet now he is risen from the dead. It is that unique thing, and we're very pleased that we are able to worship God together in this way. You know, our expectations as we come together on Easter are incredibly important. In these verses which were read to us from Luke's account of the resurrection... You realize it's a very short account. And what I want us to be aware of this morning as we read this account from Luke 
as God's Holy Spirit has inspired him to write it this way, you will notice that the verses he uses to tell us the most significant event, to record it in his own way, but through God's inspiration, he only uses 12 verses. He, he concise, makes it so concise and brings it down to just a few moments of dialogue between the women and the beings from heaven, the angels or these eternal beings who've come to share and to tell. And then the rest of the chapter, he describes in detail how people come to personally believe that Jesus is risen. And just as we contrast the amount of space that Luke, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has given to the event which we celebrate today, and therefore the proportion which he gives to the relevance or the very importance in his thinking of how do we believe this is true. We want to look at that. But in this, as he comes, he defines to us again the first day of the week. He defines to us and clarifies where they came and how they understood and what they found. But as you read, you, under, you see that they said, and they came taking spices they had prepared. They were expecting a certain thing, and they were going to find something totally different. Their expectations for Jesus was to find him still dead in the tomb. But what they were going to find was a few strips of linen that had bound his body, an empty tomb, and then messengers from eternity. What they had expected was this. What they found was the reality of God. And I must just stop for a moment and ask, what do you expect on Easter? You see, they had a concept of God which was not able at that moment to get past death. And as we are reading today, we are going to read that very thing. See what the, the reality that they found was, but then more than that, what the messengers said to them. You see, they said while they were perplexed, they did not find what they expected. They found something different. And as they were thinking about that, all of a sudden it says these two in bright, shining apparel were there. Now, it says they were afraid and bowed their heads down. Now, I have to think that somehow in that bowing down, there was a moment of somewhat worship and awareness that the ones with whom they were interacting, the one who was going to speak to them, was something beyond human. Uh, have you ever been afraid? Seriously. Did you just stand there and put your head down? I mean, I remember one time in university doing dumb things as sometimes we did. I know you in university do not do those type of things. We did. I remember one time we had a group of us fellows after some ball game or something, 
And we were driving around and we drove through a cemetery. Why? I have no idea. It was cool. And as we drove through, I had the idea, I'm sitting in the back, I'm going to open the door and slam it shut. <laughs> Which I did, boom, and immediately the driver turned around. Just the noise of a closing door made him fear. And he said, did someone get in or did someone get out? <laughs> you see, if you were in a tomb and all of a sudden you were expecting this and you found this, and then suddenly there was an appearance of the eternal, would you simply bow your head and worship? Not unless God, the Spirit, had impressed upon your soul and heart and mind that this was more than just a happening. And then those who came from eternity to speak with them, what did they do? Look what they said. Why do you seek the living among the dead? They were seeking this, and they had found this. They sought the dead, and they found the living. And so he says, why? Which then asks the question, what's going on inside of one's heart and mind? Why they were expecting him still to be dead? For then he goes on and says, he gives just a statement of clarity about Jesus. He is not here because he is risen. Isn't that cool? I guess you don't think so. <laughs> I think those are the most amazing words. And then he goes on and he says, Do not you remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man would be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified on the third day? If you want to find those, if you go back in Luke's gospel, there's a bit of this in chapter 4, but also specifically in chapter 9, verse 22, as the Lord Jesus teaches those gathered around, he teaches about the one who has come from God into this world, will actually be given over into the hands of the religious as well as other people. He will die, but on the third day, rise from the dead. And simply what this messenger from God was telling them is don't you remember what he said you know I've often told you I'm an old geezer I want to tell you that sometimes as you get older it is not so easy to remember but that's okay I have people in my life who remind me but I want to tell you, have you ever had the Spirit of God as these people did on that day as the messengers from eternity spoke with them, remind them of what God has said? Maybe that moment where sometime as life was getting incredibly messy, incredibly difficult, and you cried out from the depth of your soul, Oh God, if you do this, I will do this. And all of a sudden, there comes a moment of maybe silence or thinking, and all of a sudden, God comes and he speaks again. Or there may be a time when you thought, yes, I believe, I know these truths are reality. It's a historical event, but it's more. It's truth. 
And there's a moment when that almost became true personally. But maybe then you stepped away to say, I don't know if now life is too busy, is too full. I don't know if I really do. And you step back. Maybe this morning you will hear the voice of God once again saying, do you remember the moment I came, the moment you committed? You see... He comes to them, and then the response of them, of course, is it says that they remembered, and they returned from the tomb, rejoicing, and returned and said all of these things, or told them to the other disciples. They, after this experience, and really a crucial thing in that experience was the messengers reminding them of what Jesus himself had said. And then they went back and They explained that to the disciples who in all honesty, you see, that's one of the reasons one can be quite certain that the Bible is not made up. If you were writing a fiction novel at this point, you would not write, but the disciples, after they heard these things, to them it seemed like an idle tale. The truth. But one of those to whom it seemed like it was impossible, he went himself, Peter it says, and when he saw the tomb, he went in and he saw the clothes lying there, the grave clothes, by themselves. And then he went home and says, wondering or uh, marveling or just aware that this had happened. Well, then as I said earlier, Luke only uses... 12 verses to describe this event at the tomb and the resurrection. But then if you follow on, you see it's very important to him that we understand that just as those disciples immediately found this difficult to comprehend and to accept the truth of him being risen, so too did others. And the next verses, it takes him almost twice as many verses to describe the the dialogue or the conversation between Jesus and these two walking towards the city or the town of Emmaus. And he says he joined them and asked them what were they discussing and they told him the story how this Jesus who had done so many miraculous and marvelous things, how they expected that he would take them and lead them and then he had been crucified. It was a very moving moment when they uh, say, well, don't you understand? And he turns to them and says, do not you understand that the scriptures, the Bible has told us exactly that this would happen. And my, I take great encouragement. I know I'm a bit of a long-winded preacher. That means in American English, I go on a long time. But then it says, and Jesus started with Moses. And he went through Moses. And then he went through all the prophets. And then he went through the book of Psalms. And he began to tell them and explain to them how the prophets and how Moses and how the Psalms had told them that this was going to happen. And yet they didn't understand. And then it says they invited him into their home. And it says only at that moment as he took the bread and he broke it. It says their eyes were opened and they saw and they knew it was him 
and he was gone. And they knew it was him, and they turned to one another and listened to this. You see, as Luke writes to us, he uses this phrase again and again. He said, they came, and the tomb was opened, and now their eyes are opened. And soon he's going to say, and their minds are going to be opened by a work of God. And he came to them, and he said to them, and their minds were opened, and their eyes were opened, and they saw him, and they understood it's him, and he was gone. And then they turned to one another, and they said, and did not our hearts burn within us as he opened the Bible to us? A movement of God into the life of an individual. And then he goes on, and he explains, and they went back, and they came to the disciples, and then... As the disciples are meeting, now Luke bypasses what some of the other writers had said, is that the disciples were fearful and they were in a room and they'd lock the doors and shut the shutters. I remember when we were studying this back, way, 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 I think it was, anyway. I remember we had a theological debate because we wanted to keep the theology teacher from going on and what he wanted to teach. And we got into this and we asked a very profound theological question. You know, in this one he's going to say to them, It's an immense thing, actually. He's going to come and he's going to say, peace. Now, the doors were closed. Another author will tell us the windows were shuttered. You know, this is a resurrected Jesus. And he comes and does not need to open doors, does not need to come through an open window. He just simply is there. And then he says, and and look. The nail prints. And then he says, touch. I am one who's not a spirit. All of the theories that this is just a spirit situation. No, no, no. He says, take and touch and feel. The spirit does not have flesh or bone like I do. But it was different. His resurrected flesh and bone that could come into a room without opening the door. Ah, you thought I forgot the great theological question we asked, didn't you? No. We turned to the professor and said, well, after this, he says, Do you have anything to eat? And they gave him fish. And we said, we understand. He comes resurrected. But what about the fish? When he left, what happened to the fish? Dumb, wasn't it? The professor turned and he said, if we have a God who is so great, he resurrects from the dead. Gentlemen, he can take care of fish. And I have found in all these years that God has taken care of me. And so he will to you as well. Now, look what he says. He reminded them in this next verse. He said, look and see. And then he goes on and says, touch me and feel and find that I am real. And then he goes and said, these are the words which I spoke to you. And he explains to them and says, did not you believe what the Bible has said about me? And just for a few moments, we have studied in the last weeks, and we've studied the death of Jesus on the cross. Remember, we went and we found that Jesus was innocent, and yet he was declared guilty by the crowds who wanted him crucified And at that moment, this very strong moment, when you have the innocent God substituting himself and taking the place of the guilty man, and there is actually a historical event where the innocent Jesus takes the place of the guilty Barabbas, 
That is happening physically, but spiritually, the innocent Jesus, God in the person of Jesus, God sacrificing himself in that person. He takes our place that you and I, the guilty, could be forgiven and go free. What do some of the other scriptures say? Listen why this resurrection is incredibly important. Paul, as he writes to Timothy, his beloved son in the faith, look what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. Listen carefully. He gave us in Jesus Christ before the ages began and now has been manifested when the Lord has come and through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, listen to this word, who abolished death. Actually, Commentators would sell us that mean, means even stronger. He eradicated death. Just an amazing truth. And brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So whatever else happened on the cross and resurrection, at that moment Jesus is actually destroying death. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. All have sinned. We all are in that situation of earning or deserving death. But then listen what the writer to the book of Hebrews writes in chapter 2 verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood. Since we are flesh and blood he's saying. He himself Likewise, partook of the same things that through death, listen to this, it's not just death to give us freedom, but it's even more, it is this, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who fear death from that. Wow, what does that mean? Well, very simply, not only did his death bring to the fact that we are then moved to this other place and there's the opportunity for forgiveness but it also says and he actually destroyed evil and the power of evil by death and resurrection we know one day that's coming of course in the final judgment but at this moment what the writer to Hebrews wants to declare to us just like Jesus was saying to his disciples is look the reality is The scriptures, the Bible is full of prophecies. And in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, we find the very first humans as they sinned, they walked away from God, were forgiven and came back. And as God dealt with that, he turns to the woman who would grabbed the apple, who knew she was sinning, who knew she was turning from God, and she did it anyway. And he turns to her and he shows that she is forgiven by saying, and through you, through you, will come one who will crush the head of evil. And the writer to the book of Hebrews does not want us to miss the fact that when Jesus came, when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, that prophecy is fulfilled. And in Colossians, Paul writes one more verse. And he says he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. He destroyed death. 
He defeated evil. And in that, by faith, he moves us from belonging to the dominion of evil into the kingdom of his son. How does that all happen? Well, the Bible has one other reference, and I want to share that with you, and then we will be done from my thinking. Or my speaking, sorry. In this... The only other portion of the Bible I want us to think about this morning is there is a portion in John chapter 11 where Jesus himself begins to explain what it means about the resurrection. If you have read that account, you are very familiar with that. That is where at the end of the account there are two deeply moving moments. There is one moment in verse 35 where it says... And Jesus wept. They brought him to the tomb of his friend Lazarus. A man in just a few moments. Whom he was going to raise from the dead. And yet you find God in the person of Jesus Christ. Standing before that tomb of his dead friend. And he weeps. We used to have a children's program in the church we were at previously. And the kids had to memorize verses. Do you know almost all of them memorized John eleven thirty five? 35? Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. But do you understand? That verse in the Bible opens up a window for us to look into the very heart and person of God. Who God who had the power to resurrect. God who has the power to bring back. God, he stands and he weeps. Why does he weep? He has seen the effects of sin. God who created this perfect. God who gave mankind the option to follow him and has seen maybe some type of infection or whatever, a microbe that does not think, that does not reason, but simply comes into the body and multiplies, could destroy human life. The extent of sin and God weeps. But there's also an immense moment when Jesus cries out, Lazarus, come forth. Like one of my friends said, it's a good thing Jesus named Lazarus. The graveyard would have been empty otherwise. Meaning all people would have risen. But in that, Jesus describes resurrection. And he comes to the house after Lazarus has died. And the sister Martha comes to meet him. And as she comes to meet him, she says very simply, Oh Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. She acknowledges that he had the power to keep him living. And then she turns and in a word of faith says to him, But whatever you ask God, I know that God will give it to you. He turns to her and he says, Your brother will rise. And she comes back theologically absolutely right. I know on the last day he will rise from the dead. And then comes this incredible statement from Jesus as he turns to her and he says, and I am the resurrection and the life. It's only as I've been studying for this sermon that I realize that God, in the person of Jesus, links together resurrection and life. It's not I am the resurrection or later I am the life. It is I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection, you see, is not just about ending death. Resurrection is about demonstrating that eternal life goes on and is forever. And the power of God being revealed. 
And then he turns to her and says, do you believe this? And she responds, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and that you are the one who was coming into earth. Let me close then with this. If you today were to meet the risen Jesus, and he was to ask you the very same question he asked to Martha, do you believe? What would you answer? You know, as we've gone through this, the way Luke writes it, there were women who would have called themselves followers and they came to a tomb and they expected one thing and they found another. But God in his miraculous working had opened the tomb that they must face the question what they believed about him. Then we found Jesus walking with two men and they heard and they heard and they heard and yet it wasn't until he broke the bread and all of a sudden it says, and he, God, opened their eyes that they could see. And then as he came into the room with his disciples, it says again, and then he opened their minds that they might understand the scripture. There we find in this portion three times where things are opened. Could I ask you this? Jesus says, where do you believe? What do you believe? Could I ask you, where in that process is your soul and heart and heart? Have you seen the facts? Do you understand that what is written is true? And you understand that there is an open tomb, there was a dead body, but now he's risen. Have you gone even further where he has opened your eyes? That means you can actually see and you're starting to understand, wait a minute, this looks like this is truth. But there's even another step where he says, and then he opened their minds. That's the center of one's understanding. Where you no longer just see the fact or understand it's truth, but you yourself have accepted by faith it is true for you. As Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Three chapters later in the book of John, he says this, and I am the way. There is no other way to God but the cross. I am the truth. He is God in the person of Jesus Christ making the self-sacrifice of God, substitution, God taking your place that you could be free to choose. And I am the life. God in Christ. Christ in God. As Jesus prays in John 17, Father, I am in you, and you are in me, and we are in them. That's eternal life. And that's what he's offering you. To each one of us today. How do we know it's true? He is risen. Let's try that one more time. <laughs> How do we know it's true? He's risen. He's risen Father, we thank you because that is true. You are risen. 
And yet, Lord, in the depth of our heart, in the depth of our soul, within the understanding of our mind, we need to know, yes, it is true. Because you have come and personally convinced us of the reality of a risen Jesus Christ. And we know that you are true. So we worship you this morning. And we thank you in Jesus' name that you are here and with us. Guide us now as we continue to celebrate this service and lead us each one through this Easter that we might know that you are risen, but we also might understand you are the way, you are the truth, you are the life. In Jesus' name, amen.